Welcome to this edition of the Douglas County School District Growing Together podcast. We will be talking to leaders, educators, specialists, and community members about topics that matter to our students, our schools, and our community. Let's jump into this week's episode as we grow together. Welcome to 10 Meaningful Minutes, a podcast for anyone looking for relevant information related to kids, school, and the current zeitgeist. I'm Lori Lacombe, Coordinator for Healthy Schools in Douglas County School District, and I'm with Erin Reagan, Lead Counselor. Our goal is to utilize the amazing talents within our community in hopes to help our parents and caregivers with tools and tips to help raise happy, healthy, and thriving students. So thank you for joining us. Today we are going to discuss if students' struggles arise, what are the best steps to take to solve them? Erin, welcome back. Good to Thank see you. Thank you, Lori. It's great to be back. Erin, um, when we spoke about anxiety, you offered some fabulous advice of taking out time to truly listen to your children. And from these discussions, we can begin to learn that sometimes our children are struggling academically, socially, or both. So today, let's explore that topic with a proactive mindset. From a health and wellness perspective, it is important to start with an inventory, right, of how our students' basic needs are being met. So for example, if you notice your child struggling, maybe having a hard time with homework, um, you're getting calls from parents, so forth, the best place to start from the health and wellness perspective is my child getting enough sleep Absolutely, night. Sleep is Absolutely. crucial. Are they eating a balanced diet? You know, or what are they eating at school? Good thing to ask. Are they drinking enough water? Are they getting enough exercise? How are they managing their stress? Definitely. And what are, what's their friendship? What's that look like? Are they connected to other people in their school community, outside their school community? You can't underestimate the importance of that. Right. Yeah. I bet we could do a whole podcast on it. Um, so, but once parents have taken this inventory on these topics and feel as if the health and wellness needs are in check, what steps should a parent take to help find solutions within the school setting? This is a great question, Lori, and I think in my, uh, in my 12, 13 years experience as a school counselor, I had a lot of conversations with parents about this very topic. Mm. You know, and I think that parents feel like they're walking a tightrope in this regard. When is the appropriate time to step in and help your child? You know, and so I think ascertaining the answer to that question is really, really important. And so my wife and I have a seven-year-old. Mm -hmm. He's in second grade. And really since he started kindergarten, we were really thoughtful about this, mostly because she's a counselor as well, <laughs> you know, so the poor kid doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> no, not at all. But the, the deal that we made with him is if he needs help, then he needs to let us know. Now, we talk a lot about the struggles that he has at school and things that come up and we really try to have an open line of communication but there are times that he's come to us and he said i need help now and nice. i think that that's empowering to him to to know that he can come to us and, and but more importantly to know that we trust him to solve his problems and i'm going to talk about this a little more later so in terms of contacting the school mm -hmm. 
a really good resource, and, it, and a lot of this depends on the situation, but a counselor is a really good place to start. And I am so thrilled to report that we now have a counselor in every neighborhood school, elementary, middle, and high. Ah, oh, that's so, amazing. This is a good place to start. And I think part of the reason why is that counselors serve as a liaison between administration and teachers, and they're very aware of all of the resources in the school. And sometimes all it takes is a, is a conversation with a counselor to really help a student feel supported. Now, sometimes issues might not be relevant to a counselor. There might be a health concern. You know, you might have a child that needs to take medication, and that, of course, would be a conversation with the nurse. A lot of times, especially with elementary kids who are in the same classroom all day long, you know, it's, it's simply reaching out to uh, a teacher. If there is a situation that um, might be a little more serious, that's where I would consider reaching out to a principal. You know, and those would be for... Uh, for example, if your student comes home and they have a concern about the safety of another student, for example, we see this a lot. Hmm. You know, parents kind of scratch their head and go, well, who should I reach out to now? That could be a counselor. You, you might also want to bring an uh, assistant principal or principal into that conversation. Okay, great advice. A lot of times we want to go right to the principal, but it's really pretty best to start with the source, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if, if you can, it, the closer you can stay to the source, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, the better. Okay. And, and my experience, and really, I think the philosophy of Douglas County Schools is that teachers are really, they really want to be responsive to the needs of their students, but they're not always aware there's an issue. Right. And, and sometimes all it takes is a, a gentle conversation with them and, They'll be really responsive. Okay. How do you approach the school or teacher if there's a conflict between a teacher and a student? What you, what's your advice for that? That's a really good question. So much of this depends on the nuances of the situation. Okay. You know, what's actually happening? I think if it's a situation, if, let, let's say that this is a new issue, I would always start with the teacher. And, and, and a lot of times, again, depending on the situation, a conversation between the teacher and the student might solve the problem. And, and that's always really the first step that we encourage. If, let's say you have a personality uh, conflict, which does happen on occasion, at, at that point, it's a really good idea to involve a counselor. Counselors are really skilled in dealing with tricky and sticky situations. You know, um, and, I, and I think a parent's concern is that they don't want to alienate a teacher. They don't want to make a teacher angry and then have them take revenge on their students somehow. Uh, maybe that's strong language to use, but um, a counselor can really help smooth out the edges. And in my experience, 90% of issues come down to a question of communication and misunderstanding. You know, I kind of feel like human beings fight when they feel disrespected, mm -hmm. you know? And teachers are human beings just like kids. So many problems come down to this question of respect. Mm. And sometimes it's, it's a teacher that may not feel respected by a student. Oftentimes the conflict originates because a student hears something or they personalize something 
that a teacher has said and they have no idea that they've done it. Mm. You know, and so I've seen this happen for years. So a conversation between a student and a teacher will, will usually iron out any misunderstandings. That conversation can be orchestrated by a counselor and you can set up all kinds of different mechanisms so that if a student is starting to feel frustrated, they can take a time out. And they don't have to talk to the teacher about it. There can be a hand signal that nobody else in the class is aware of. And there's an agreement. The student scratches their nose. The teacher nods. They can go out, get a drink of water, come back. The teacher's aware that there's something going on. You know, there are a lot of things that we can do to help students that maybe people haven't thought of before. And so that's one approach that I think has been really successful. When it empowers the child. Absolutely. Which we need to constantly give children these opportunities to share their voice. I absolutely agree, Lori. Yeah. What other advice would you give parents? Anything that we've missed that you want to share? Yeah, I, I think when we, when we think about education today, it's more collaborative than ever before. We talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. I think this is a major kind of shift since I was a student. In, uh, in, in school, I or you in team. It really involves everyone. You know, and I think the other thing thematically that I've seen is that sometimes if there is something happening in a child's life or in a family's life that's distressing to the child, it's really helpful for the school to know that. And so I would really encourage parents to reach out and maybe make the school aware. Very good advice. Of, of situations like this. There is a movement currently in law enforcement and it's handle with care. Hmm. It's this protocol where if someone has suffered a trauma, the community of people that come in contact with that person are made aware of that. So that if they see some behavior that looks off, they know that there's something happening. And I think that this is critically important for our kids. So I would, I would just really encourage parents to know that the school is their partner okay. and, and that, that we, want to, we want to help. I think it's, it's really helpful to have a plan for children who are struggling. And, you know, and I'm so glad you asked that question about teachers and how to approach a teacher. I would say don't hesitate to reach out to a teacher early on when you see a troubling situation or Better yet, encourage your student to do it Okay. because it's really good practice. And I always say that self-advocacy is more important than intelligence. Mm. Again, that's purely my opinion. <laughs> um, and then finally, I think, you know, you hear about mama bear and daddy bear and things like that. And I think as parents, we are so, we're so tuned into our kids that we want to help them, mm -hmm. you know, but but I think it's also really important to be patient and also be aware that sometimes children have a perspective on a situation that, that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. So having a little patience and a little grace and kind of carrying a positive presupposition is really helpful when approaching a school. That will really help with that respect. Yeah. The point you brought up earlier. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you have a story to share with us, Aaron? Well, so, <laughs> it's funny you ask, Lori, I, I do. So I have a son, uh, he is seven years old. He's now in second grade, and like I mentioned earlier, 
my wife and I entered into kindergarten with kind of a plan about how we would negotiate these kinds of questions. And so my son attends before and after school programming because my wife and I both work. And I would say about two or three months into his time in base, he started telling us that there was a fifth grader that was picking on him. And uh, my first inclination was to uh, go jump in and, you know, take care of this situation. But I, I had a moment where I was able to kind of stop and think about it and contemplate. And instead, what we did is we, we sat down with our son and we came up with a plan. We said, okay, you're being bullied. What do you think would be your next steps? And he said, well, I could talk to him and ask him to stop. And we said, that's great. What if you talk to him, but it continues? And he said, well, I could tell um, a teacher at base about it. And we said, absolutely. That sounds like a really good plan. So time goes on and um, a week passes. He comes home and he reports that the student is still bullying him. We said, okay, have you talked to him? And he said, no, I haven't. <laughs> okay, what do you think you should do? Well, I should talk to him. Okay, well, how might that conversation work? So we role played it. Another week went by and he said, he, he bullied me today and I talked to him. Let's see how it goes. Okay. The next week he comes home and he says, well, he bullied me again. We said, okay, what's your next step? Well, I should tell a teacher. Absolutely. You should tell a teacher. This continued for another couple of weeks. He reported that he was being bullied. We said he needed to tell a teacher and then Five weeks from the initial conversation, I get a phone call from the base director. And our base is wonderful. We really, we really like the teachers there. And we happen to be friends with the director of the program. So she called me and she said, are you aware that your son is being bullied? And I said, oh yeah, I've known for five weeks. And she said, well, why didn't you call me? And I said, because I don't want to deprive my son of the opportunity to solve this problem. This is his problem to solve. And there was a lot of silence. And then she said, okay, well, I want you to know I've taken steps. I've talked to the student. I'm aware of the situation. I'm going to monitor it. And that's my story. And, and it took a lot of self-control to do that. It really did a lot of patience. Yes. I like how you use the word contemplate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I practiced my mindfulness skills, Lori. So you. You really uh, have had a great influence on me in well, that I way. Well, I think everyone's going to be wondering, how is the relationship now on base between these two, your son and this child? You know, it, it improved dramatically. And in fact, the fifth grader, as he moved into sixth grade, became a, a really strong advocate for my son. Oh. And now that, now that my son's in second grade, that student has moved on to, you know, middle school. Okay. But, I but I, think it, I think it was a really positive experience you know, in some kind of looking back. Well, that wraps up our 10 meaningful minutes today. If you want more information, please use our district website for additional resources.